1: Everybody and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converged Media. And just to quote the legendary Dave Niehaus, it just continues for our Seattle Mariners who have swept the Toronto Blue Jays and are headed to the ALDS. We'll get to that here in a minute. The Seahawks, I mean, for a while, it seemed like they were hanging around with the Saints. We'll get into that. Firstly, uh, some other things, the Kraken wrapped up their preseason. The storm remained relatively quiet after the FIBA World Cup has ended. Um The rain. I mean, we have some attendance numbers, but other than that, they are remaining quiet as a lot of the players get some uh, time off, some international breaks for them uh, while they wait for the upcoming Houston slash uh, Kansas City, Kansas City current match to decide who they will face in the semifinal of the NWSL playoffs. I mean, trying to think, well, the Sounders played their last uh, game of the regular season. But I think all of the focus from us, from the city is, you know, on the Mariners and the rain as things go on and not to downplay the Seahawks, you know, uh, but it just seems like a lot of it is mostly geared towards those two, in my opinion, at least. I don't know how you feel about it or how you see it.
0: I mean, I would completely agree. It's hard not to focus on the Mariners right now, especially with what they just did. So. We'll get into that here shortly, but let's go ahead and kick it off with our Seahawks segment. So as you said, it did seem like they had a good um, grip on the game for a while there. Unfortunately, they did lose to the Northern Saints on Sunday, October 9th. That was a 39 to 32 loss. Like you said, kind of came late in the game. They it looked like they might have had a win. And then in the last quarter there, the Saints take the lead and take the win. So offensive player of the game for me, I went with, I believe you went with Gino Smith last week. I went ahead and chose him this week. Um, he was 16 for 25, had 268 total yards and three touchdowns. Um, and I see we're just like sw- swapping here because I think I might've had Tyler Lockett last week.
1: <laughs> I think, I think we did change. I think we swapped <laughs> on Gino and Tyler here. I understand. I, I, you know, I think you might have talked about it last week or I might have said it uh, in addition to what you said about Tyler, but he's just obviously been a model of consistency for Seattle here on the offensive side of the ball and obviously you no know, Russell this year, a guy that those two had a really great connection. Uh, so now Gino and him have that connection. It just seemed like the two touchdowns that Tyler had just, I think the second one was just really in stride, really uh, between a few defenders. Uh, I was like, oh man, you know, seeing what he's capable of. I'm curious why you went with Gino just to hear your reasoning. Just because you know it's obviously good to get that secondhand input, but uh, I don't blame you. I mean, Gino has. I don't think there's any reason to blame much of the offensive side of the ball uh, this game. But I am curious uh, for your full reasoning behind selecting Gino, uh, who's coming off of an NFC Offensive Player of the Week award.
0: Right. So he remains to be consistent weekly, but what I liked this week was that he cleaned it up and had no interceptions this week. I believe he had one last week. So, um, that was just super impressive. I mean, if he continues to improve, continues to get, I think it was last week, 300 yards and this week, he was just short of that. So yeah, just cleaning that up and not getting an interception. Like for me, that was what made the difference. So that's why I chose Gino.
1: I mean, it makes total sense. So I, I don't fault you for that. And then this guy's name has been kind of hovering around uh, <laughs> defensive player of the, the game for a few weeks now uh, with Tariq Woolen, uh, Just really incredible. I mean, this is a cool stat for him individually, but not necessarily the best for the team. The fact that he's got all three of Seattle's interceptions. But, I mean, what, what do you see from Tariq here? Obviously, you know, if we look at the defensive side of the ball, there are the holes. I mean, we look at – it just feels like a lot of the times this team gets into shootouts um, because their defense can't yeah. do anything. I mean, you can see here I wasn't very nice to them in the header here. Um, <laughs> but Woolen, you know, was a guy in the draft that was viewed as a a development project for the longest period of time a guy that's going to take a few years to really become a corner a real standout corner and you know they've kind of thrown him into the fire i know justin coleman was on the inactives list and he jones this week as a healthy scratch um, and he's obviously getting playing time for a reason so what did, what did you see from Tariq?
0: again we'll go back to the consistency i mean uh, he's been consistent throughout the first few games of the season and like you said, it's been the shootout games. Like, I think that's what we can expect moving forward because it doesn't feel like um, we're able to stop other teams from scoring. But Tariq is always consistent. And just like you noted here on your um, stats for him for the game, four tackles, one interception, one pass deflection. Like, he continues to make an impact on defense. And we're going to need that, especially if we continue to do these shootout games.
1: Yeah, and especially from the cornerback position, I mean, we've talked about Mike Jackson. Obviously, the name is cool, but seen some struggles there. Kobe Bryant has had his moments. I believe he forced a fumble in this game, actually. Um, So it's it's just interesting to see the young guys get their play. And I think that down the road, I'm sure this will help them just to be able to uh, get this playing time now but it's it's also just seeing some of the mistakes that have been made across the board i know i've been harsh about cody barton and just some of the mistake a lot of his mistakes get put uh, on social media and you can see whether he's like missing the gap or something i mean the rush game i think was uh the bigger issue here uh i don't know yeah. if you saw how much Taysom hill got to do Taysom hill things um you know and we haven't even heard of Taysom hill for a while <laughs> you know, last for the past few years, he's kind of been like, Oh, he's a Swiss Army knife for them. But I feel like he's been quiet and it feels like he just mm-hmm. blew up in this game. So just the run defense has been n- not good to just sum it up. I'm and in my opinion here. And uh, like you said, I think people are just going to need to step up. Woolen has done his job to an extent. We're just going to need to see who's going to be able to at some point, you have to be able to get off the field. Seattle ranks really, I like. At the bottom of the league, or near the bottom of the league, and a lot of defensive stats like most plays allowed per drive, most uh, how many three and outs they get, which is very little, you know. Um, so it's just eventually you got to help your offense out. You got to be able to stick up for yourself on the defensive side of the ball. It's just like you know, it you might as well just not play defense with how the 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 defensive side of the ball has looked. It's disappointing. It's frustrating.
0: Yeah, yeah and like you said, having our offense out there on the field for so long, I mean we've already kind of seen it, but it also allows for guys to get hurt and that'll come up yep. here because we do have a pretty big injury report now for this week. Um, so we'll dive into some injury news here and actives against new Orleans where like you said, Sydney Jones, Justin Coleman, T's Tabor, Jake Curran and Marquise Goodwin and Derek Young. Um, and then injuries that happened in the game. The most notable one I would say would was Rashad Penny getting carted off. So He goes carted off in the third quarter with an ankle injury, injury, deemed doubtful to return. And then later we found out that he has a fractured fibula and will be out indefinitely if he needs surgery or not will be decided based on test results today. So obviously hoping that it's not the worst that could happen, but how could I don't know how you could um, hope for the best with a fracture so. Well, and then
1: we did get an update a little bit earlier, about yeah. an hour or two ago, that he suffered a broken fibula, is what the tests show, and that it will require surgery, and he's done for the year. Which, <sighs> with him, is just really tough. You know, I mean, we talked about this at the beginning of the year, did we? Even in the off season, right, Bell, with the running so, back room. You know, I I know that I had my reservations about the Ken Walker pick because of where it was, and you know, whatever strategy if it would have gone differently. But, well, now, Ken Walker will get much more of an opportunity. You know, I think he yeah. had a 69-yard touchdown in this game. Um, but it's just really tough. I mean, we look at the other guys like Chris Carson. I mean, just the running backs since Marshawn Lynch, you know, Thomas Rawls, C.J. Proseis, uh, God, you know, Chris Carson now. I'm hoping the best for Chris because yeah. obviously the neck injury. You know, even Marshawn at the end of his career, a guy who was hardly ever injured, had a hernia issue uh during his final times here in seattle so you know it's just it's really tough because you know i know there have been things about you know penny where he doesn't stay healthy which you know i admittedly have been a proponent of that i'm like hey man the dude can't stay healthy if he can't be available in any sport if you can't be available i'm less inclined to give you playing time it's just like with christian mccaffrey i don't draft him in fantasy just because i'm just so used to him going down you know, it's just, <laughs> at, at some point I, I get scared of your availability um, and this really sucks. And I just hope that, you know, Ken Walker will be able to shine as best as he can. I know that our offensive line has been dealing with some issues too, uh, injury wise with a few guys. Um, but, I mean, I, I just hope that DJ Dallas is able to get. Uh, some solid play. I know I talked about him a lot in the preseason and I hope he can get some shine, but I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but this is, it's, it's just kind of like, oh man. And you just feel for the guy. Cause he, I think we talked about it in the first few games, if he can get going, like he did the end of the year, obviously great run game. And Mm -hmm. it felt like the last few games, he really was kind of hitting the stride, uh, at least in my opinion. And now it's like, all right, well, he's done. And he has to go through that rehab again. And I know that can wear a lot on your mental health, you know, to just have to deal with that rehab again, to go down that road, to have to miss this time, you know, with your guys in the locker room. So it's, it's really tough. It's really tough.
0: Yeah. I think he knew it was bad getting carted off. I mean, obviously in pain, tears rolling down his cheeks. Um, I can only imagine how he felt in that moment. And like you said, mentally. So Yes, I agree. He has been big for our offense and that's it's going to hurt to not have him on the field. So it'll be interesting to see how Walker does fill in that position. But I know that some people also think that Walker is a dark horse and can fill fill in the role. So hopefully um, things are good moving forward. But yeah, it's uh, tough news for Penny. Um, I was always in his corner, so it's very tough to hear. We also had Gabe Jackson, who was questionable to return with a hip flexor, leaving in the third quarter. Penny Hart is out with a hamstring injury, and Alwoods left the game and did not return with a knee injury. So getting hit by the injury bug there last week. Um, We move on to some more positive news here with some team notes on the fifth. Geno Smith was named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Um, On his way to posting back-to-back 300-yard games for the first time in his career, Smith completed 23 of 30 passes for 320 yards, two touchdowns, and a 132.6 passer rating. Smith also rushed for 49 yards and a score on seven carries. It would have been a career-best 51 yards on five carries if not for two kneel downs at the end of the game. Worked four four games into the season, Smith leads the NFL with a 77.3% completion percentage, um the highest mark through a quarterback's first four games in week history. Minimum 125 attempts. Smith's 108 passer rating ranks third in the league. So again, he's he's doing great. Um, there was that week that was a bump in the road against uh San Francisco, but it looks like he's picked it up and he's improving. So it's exciting to see. It's
1: yeah. I, I did, I apologize after the Broncos game. Cause I think I, you know, I was like, all right, it's going to be drew lock. And you know, it's been really interesting because now there's these debates where it's like, does Geno Smith stay Seattle's quarterback as the years yeah. go on? I don't know. I mean, maybe within the next year. Well, obviously I think if he's able to continue this clip, he has to finish out the year. You know, I'm wrong mm. on that. We're going to be wrong on in this industry anyway. Um, maybe next year, but I think eventually you do have to sink towards the future because Gino's not going to be able to, I mean, he's been a veteran. He's been around the league for a while. How long he's able to sustain this play, you know, how much do you want to roll the dice on that? Um, So I think eventually you do have to look into a replacement, but I don't think it's as urgent as like taking one of your highest picks. um, Right. In this year's draft, at least
0: yeah it gives uh some hope for pete carroll's uh statement about 10 wins this season so we'll see (laughs) moving on to some league news here on october 7th the nflpa wanted immediate changes to the concussion protocol so the union agreed upon changes to the protocol to go into effect this last weekend Um, Tua is actually also seeking specialists. Um, he has been seeking outside concussion specialists, but there are no imminent plans by Miami to place him on IR. Um, I know there's been some talks with some medical professionals where they think that maybe it's time to hang up the helmet and call it, call it a career, you know, but as as always, your health is more important than a, a game. So anywho, moving on here. Um, On October 8th, protocols were applied for Tua. Investigation reveals medical staff followed steps of protocol, but NFL and NFLPA agree that protocols needed modification. Um, They reached an agreement on the protocols. They amended concussion protocols will take effect starting Sunday with a focus on atexia. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and do you do you actually have any more insight as to what that means? Is that just like the reflection or like the reaction that um, happened to Tua when he got hurt? Uh,
1: I'm, I'm not entirely sure about any of that too much. I know just, the, I think a lot of it was the quick turnaround. And okay. I, I don't know. It's really interesting with the NFL because I, I'm sure you saw the newer helmets that I think Zeke Zeke Elliott has one of them. There's, there's yeah. stuff that the NFL has been doing, but I don't know if it all just, I don't know how much of it uh, takes on the issue of like the, the brain injuries head on. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because there's the stuff with the CTE, you know, uh, with certain players. Um it's, it's really interesting, the protocol side of it, because you'd f- hope and figure that that would be like baseline one is having these protocols in place to avoid any of these injuries and then like the helmets and then like tackling rules and all that sort of stuff follows. But no, I'm mm-hmm. not too ingrained into that. Um, it's just interesting because I know uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who's actually backing up to uh, in Miami, uh, was like uh, under older protocols this past weekend would have been good to go for the rest of the game. But with these newer mm-hmm. ones, they took them out. They kept them out and they said, nope, you know, we're not with yeah. these new protocols. You're out of the game.
0: And I mean, that's all probably learned from letting Tua come back in for that second half. So I'm glad they're taking steps to avoid their players getting hurt. Yeah. Um, Let's move on to some more news here. Uh, Roger Goodell wants an NFL division in Europe. The league commissioner hinted at a four-team European division for the league and wasn't joking. Um, there's no question that London could support not just one franchise, I think two franchises, he says. Uh, any thoughts on the expansion? <laughs>
1: uh, I, You know, we look at the Seahawks, like, Mileage this year in terms of travel, right? And then there's the thing with the Steelers where they don't leave the East Coast time zone. I'm like, so, you know, these teams, with Seattle already being like in the utmost corner of the country and just being on its own, you know, we have to deal with, the, the Seahawks have to deal with a lot of travel. I can only imagine uh, what that would be like because I know it says division, right? And, and, and that quote, he only says not one, mm-hmm. but two franchises. It would have mm-hmm. to be a division so that they could play up against each other a bunch so that, you know, you don't have to yeah. worry too much about that interdivision travel because um, you can't just, you know, relocate, say or just I'm not picking on Jacksonville, but say Jacksonville, you take Jacksonville and move Jacksonville to London. Then one team in Europe has to do all that cross Atlantic travel. Uh, It's just really interesting because the NFL has hinted at something like this a lot. You know, they do a lot of the international games, right? There were some of the games the Raiders have played, like, in Mexico. Uh, There's Munich this year in Germany that the Seahawks are playing Mm -hmm. in, right? There's always the London games. Um, Right. So it's just really interesting to see the... uh, Well, and then there's the thing we saw this past uh, offseason where the Seahawks, like, international... uh, area is like canada or something uh i think tampa bay or green bay have like china so they're like trying to the nfl is trying to go international which is interesting yeah and how much stock i take in to a division in europe i don't know i you know because then like you're just, you're expanding by one division so which conference is the afc or the nfc And then are you making Mm. another conference? I mean, another division somewhere else. There's a bunch of like logistical stuff where I'm like, I don't know what you're thinking. Uh, But um, no, it's, it's interesting. It's funny to hear that, but it also is like, I guess the NFL is more serious about international expansion than I really thought. I, you know, I I never thought we'd get to this point. (laughs)
0: It'd It'd be interesting for sure. I did watch this weekend's game in London and it, It kind of felt like they were in Lambeau Field for a while because you could hear the go pack go chants. But um, also speaking on that, uh, the Giants had to travel a lot less of a distance than the Packers. So the Packers were a little less excited about having to go. But yeah, anywho, we'll see. I I don't see it for like happening in the foreseeable future, but you never know. Um, moving back to our Seahawks here, they now say a two and three record and we mentioned the run defense. So it'll be interesting to have the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray, who's kind of a running quarterback um, in town yeah. on the 16th at 105 p.m. So we'll see how our defense does. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that'll be like you said. That's a big game. I know uh, they got James Conner, and well, they used to have David Johnson. That's a guy I, I, you know, whenever we play Arizona, I'd get nightmares about. Uh, but yeah, like you're saying with Kyler Murray, that's a guy that you're going to have to worry about containing. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. If that'll be really tough there. It's really interesting with the NFC West um, because what the Rams are two and three, the Cardinals are two and three. There's like nobody that's dominating. The, the division right, right now which is kind of funny yeah. so we'll see how that all plays out um and like you said i you know gotta contain kyler murray i feel like that's base number one so we go from there to i guess happier trails the seahawks not all doom and gloom but they're not riding high like the mariners so obviously that's the big talk of the town right now uh the I was on the day with Trey earlier today, uh, with Deontay da- uh, Damper, uh, to talk about it. what was going on this past week with Toronto. But because, you know, we had this little quick turnaround for the wild card, we had to look at the final s- uh, home series, well, series of the regular season against the Tigers. So we looked towards that. October 3rd versus Detroit was a 3-4 to four loss, a tough one, a close one. Julio Rodriguez was back. He had a nice game back as our player of the game with three hits, one run, and one RBI. So Julio showing up, uh, immediately being activated off of the injured list. On Tuesday was a doubleheader, which I don't know about you, but having a doubleheader a few days before the playoffs start doesn't seem ideal uh, for the health of your guys. Mm -hmm. Luckily, Scott Service and the coaching staff was able to manage it, so they got a lot of the sort of more marquee players out and gave them some rest. And Luis Torrens had himself a, a damn two days i just we'll get into it uh doubleheader game one was a 76 win in 10 innings yes so the mariners had to play this game and then 30 minutes play uh, later play another game it's a long day uh mitch hanniger is our player of the game number one with two hits one run and two rbis and two run homer for mitch there our second player of the game is relief pitcher yes relief pitcher luis terrens one inning pitched no earned runs for luis uh, there was a run but it wasn't earned uh, no walks and 11 strikes thrown. So yes, Luis Torrens had to pitch as the extra innings reliever in this game uh, just to preserve the bullpen as best the Mariners could. And he came up and he did his best, uh, you know, with, if there was no ghost runner in MLB extra innings, then he wouldn't have given up the run, which is pretty incredible to think about uh, as a mm-hmm. catcher who's pitching. He played some second base in Tacoma and he would do so in the second game. No, well, he not, not in that game. He did so on the final game of the regular season. In the second doubleheader game, the Mariners would win that one a little bit easier. In the standard nine innings, nine to six. A player of the game for game two, a second baseman, Abraham Toro, with two hits, one run, four BIs, and a two-run homer. In the, uh, <coughs> excuse me all the smoke in the air, not good for my lungs. Uh, Regular season finale against the Tigers on October 5th was a five to four win. That was a walk off. So in the most Mariners way possible, they end the regular season off. Uh, I'll play the game. Second baseman. Yes. So in, in the first game of the doubleheader, Luis Srens was a relief relief pitcher. And the second game of the doubleheader, he was the catcher. And then in the final game of the regular season, he was second baseman. So he's, you want to talk about a utility guy? That's utility right there. Player yeah. of the game, of course, Luis Torrens at second. Two hits, one run, two RBIs, a two-run homer to cap off an incredible Tigers series uh, for Luis. There, so kind of funky. You know, the Mariners uh, were playing for seeding of such uh, against the Tigers to begin the series, but wow, after that game one loss, it was like, okay. Need uh Toronto to kind of lose out, and they didn't do that. So, you secured the second overall wild card, knowing that you'd go to Toronto to play the Blue Jays. You're uh, able to get the last three wins against Detroit there, which is solid, but just a kind of wacky uh, final series of the regular season. So, all of that culminates in Seattle's first playoff appearance in 21 years. I know that that's the story but I had to hear about how the Mariners were never going to make the playoffs over the entire of my life. So you get to hear about how they broke that drought and how they ended that drought. Um, so, as I mentioned, they knew they were going to go up to Toronto. Uh, the last time the Mariners played the blue Jays in the regular season, they swept them four to nothing uh, here at T-Mobile park with some crazy games. Uh, they went one and two in the three game series up in Toronto is like, okay, you know, this is a good ball club. You know, Toronto's a pretty good baseball atmosphere. Don't know what's going to go on. You know, I know that for a lot of people, it's like, all right, they made it. You know, next year they're going to go deep. I'm like, well, I mean, they still got games to play. This is a team that's got yeah. great pitching, had great defense throughout most of the regular season. And when their offense is on, it's on. And so now we look over to the wild card series here against the Blue Jays. Game one, a three to nothing victory. Seattle comes out, jumps ahead on star pitcher Alec Manoa. Early, um, Cal Raleigh hits a two run homer, and Luis Castillo has a gem, an absolute, a diamond, whatever gem you want to pick just lights it up against the blue jays seven and a uh, third innings pitch six hits no runs allowed no walks five strikeouts on 108 pitches um just lights out and we'll see his name here in a little bit because he made a player of the week but just Mm -hmm. that's that's you know castillo and that performance is what you expect when you trade for him and you extend him, that sort of thing. Those big moments is where you need Luis Castillo, and you got as advertised. You can see in the October 8th slot, if you haven't heard about it yet, you haven't seen the social media reactions, the rally shoe, uh, an incredible comeback for the ages. Uh, October 8th at the Blue Jays, a 10-9 to win in the standard nine innings. Uh, The Mariners would come back. Uh, from down seven runs. It's the only the third ever comeback in postseason history with a team trailing by seven or more. The second largest comeback behind the Philadelphia A's back in 1929, which is an eight-run comeback in the World Series. Uh, At one point in this game, Toronto had a 99% chance to win. Uh, And this October 8th game was actually 27 years to the day of the Mariners' five-run comeback that was ended with Edgar's 11th inning double, one of the most probably the most famous moment in Mariners history, but we'll, we'll give benefit of the doubt. Um, so it's, uh, I couldn't really believe what m- most of it was going on. You know, you get to a certain point in this game and people are going, all right, I'll see you Sunday for game three. You know, we'll look forward to tomorrow. And it's like the fifth inning. I'm like, hey, technically <laughs> the being left. It didn't look good, you know, especially with Kevin Gosman for the Toronto just pitching out of his mind. And then he gets pulled uh, with the bases load. And it's like, all right, you know, if you can convert here. But obviously, if you follow us on Twitter, you know, our bases loaded numbers haven't been great. Mm-hmm. And Carlos, you know, they're able to get some runs. Carlos Santana hits the three run homer. Uh, it's like, OK, you know, we're kind of crawling back into things here. Um and just over time, they're able to work it out. A J.P. Crawford bases loaded, clearing double brings you to a tie. And you're like, wow, what just happened? Uh Adam Frazier would later hit a double in the top of the ninth with two outs to score Cal Raleigh to give the Mariners the go-ahead run. And George Kirby, yes, starter George Kirby came in to pitch um, to close out the bottom of the ninth and did a great job of it. I just... You know, for a long time there, it didn't really uh, set in. I was really stunned. JP Crawford, after the game, said, "If you can, if we can win this game, we can win any game." And okay. you know, this team has been resilient, not only this year but the last two years. But it's just been really incredible to see this. You know, it's not like Julio had this monster game. Gino didn't have this monster game. Cal Raleigh continues to have a great uh, a great. End of the year now postseason. Adam Frazier has kind of turned it on here. Uh, just really incredible. I mean, I, you know, don't know how else to put it. It's come back for the ages, truly. Um, and I was just stunned. I mean, we'll go, we'll look back to it here. Uh, players of the game, number one, J.P. Crawford, one hit, three RBIs. He had the bases loaded, clearing double to tie things up. Um, and then Carlos Santana, two hits, uh, one run, three RBIs, and a walk. Uh, as player of the game, number two, with a three-run homer, that really began the comeback. So <clears throat> with that being said, what what did you, as, you know, from your point of view, your perspective, what what did this, look like for you? Cause obviously I'm sure you see scores of it. You're like, ah, shoot. All right. We'll play another game. We'll have to deal with yeah. this. On I don't know. What did you, what were you looking at, uh, for this incredible comeback?
0: Um, first I do want to say that I did walk away from my TV for a little bit. Um, I just assumed that they would be playing the game at the gym and they're very lousy at it. Cause they only had the game on, on one TV, which I didn't understand. Anywho, um, we're there and literally everyone's eyes just shift to the TV because you see that they're making a comeback. And it was incredible because I myself was like, this is this is going to go to game three. We're going to play again tomorrow. It's going to be a gritty game because it's one to one and obviously next win wins. So it was I don't I don't even know how to explain it. It was just amazing. Um. I knew that our guys could do it, but just to see them do it after being down so many runs was incredible. And I think I would agree with JP and the energy that Gino showed after the game. Like if they can win this one, I think they have it in them to go pretty deep into the playoffs.
1: Yeah. I mean, this one, I think we talked about this. I know I, you know, thought about it a lot. I don't know if we brought it up, but And looking at the American League playoff pool, I was only really like shiver me timbers kind of thing (laughs) about Houston. I really was because, you know, I know you you went, I think, seven and 12 against them this year, which isn't bad, you know, but, you know, for the longest time, Houston's been big brother. They've been the big bully. They've been the big bad. They've got, Mm -hmm. you know, they're the, the reason you haven't necessarily won the division for a good amount of time um or one of them since they joined the uh, al west that is so you know i was just like okay shoot but you know with this resiliency with the pitching that you've got in castillo logan gilbert hasn't pitched yet robbie ray had a down game and that was really really frustrating considering he was pitching against his former team you need him in a big moment he has been a guy that's been uh stepping up in the leadership department from uh, scott service and things he said pregame, but I mean, outside of that, you know, George Kirby came in in relief. You know, a 24-year-old came in to close out a playoff game. Um, You know, Cal Raleigh is stepping on. We look at the offensive side of it. Cal Raleigh is really stepping up. He's had an incredible year. Um, You know, Adam Frazier, you needed him and his hitting. Mm -hmm. He was a great sort of just get on base guy last year. Uh, And this is the thing. I'm just waiting for Julio to come out and explode and have – one of his big games because he's, he had a solid game. One was able to get on base. His speed helps around the base pass, but Julio hasn't really gone off yet. Gino hasn't really gone off yet. Mitch was quiet, you know, uh, JP Crawford had a big double. So it's just like, you didn't necessarily see a lot of production out of the guys that you would normally get that production out of. Jared Kelnick had a great September. When am I going to see him, you know, really pop off and be able to do that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So, um, no, I just—it's you know—it gives you a little bit more hope. I'm not going to go out there on a limb right now and say, "All right, you're going to take Houston." I think if you're going to stand a chance <clears throat> in this five-game series, you need to take one in Houston. You have to. I mean I don't think you can just lose games one and two, go back to Seattle, and rely on this miraculous sort of comeback. I know that's miraculous comeback route we just talked about. Um, the thing you need to steal one of these, just like in any basketball series and any series in playoffs. Yeah. You got to steal a game on the road. You have to. And you play Justin Verlander tomorrow, and he's one of the greatest pitchers of all time, let alone having one of the better track records against the Mariners the last few years. So this is, uh, I think game one's going to be really tough. Uh, I don't think Seattle's announced who they're going to have on the mound yet. I wouldn't doubt it's Logan Gilbert so that Luis Castillo can get proper rest and start game two. Uh Logan Gilbert though has had a good two thousand twenty two against Houston, so I wouldn't feel so bad about his chances. I think what like I talked about on the day with Trey earlier today um was that you know your your pitching's gonna be great, you know you're banking on that if it's not, then ooh. uh your defense will be your defense they've been one of the best in all of baseball this year your your big x factor is your offense, and who's gonna step up? So, if you you got to be able to find a way to hit Verlander. So that's that's the biggest thing that's on the coaching staff, that's on these guys to look at film and to figure out what's going on. Just getting on base. Obviously, you can't swing for the fences. I know that temperatures in Houston will be good, so the ball will travel better. Uh, but you got to be able to find out to hit, how to hit Verlander. That's that's just your big you know, if there's ever something like you really don't want to do, but you have to do it cuz it'll help you grow. This, if you can hit Justin Verlander, you can hit anybody in these playoffs. I'll tell you that right now. If the Mariners can find a way to beat Justin Verlander tomorrow, I feel like you can go all the way and win the whole thing because Justin Verlander is just as good as any of these other pitchers in the playoffs. So that's my, that's my preview on Houston. You know, Saturday is the first home playoff game in the city in over 20 years and basically my existence as a human being um (laughs) things will be crazy you and i were talking about uh ticket prices before how Mm -hmm. t-mobile park is sold out uh but you know tickets are going for 40 bucks down in houston so if you live near houston you're a mariners fan somehow please go and support as best you can um but yeah pretty crazy so that's that's my outlook on houston win game win one of these two games if you can beat verlander you can beat anybody and that that's you know, you're gonna need some of the guys who have been quiet to step up. Carlos Santana had a solid uh serious, so I can't really get on him, but there are guys who need to step up. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that. But we will now shift over to players of the week. Uh we talk I talked about Cal. I you know, he <clears throat> has the best batting average and some of the best offensive stats on the team. Eight played appearances uh, over the two games in Toronto. Four hits, four runs, a double, a homer, three RBIs, eight total bases, one walk, a 500 batting average on the nose, a 5.56 on base percentage, a 1.0 clean slugging to create a 1.556 OPS. Kyle just, you know, I talked about it as the rest of the season got toward an end. His growth has been great since his last return from tacoma let alone what he's doing now so you're going to need to give him some help i we can't rely on big dumper to just carry this offense um so but i mean last week i believe he was your star of the week and this week play the week. so cal's name has been talked about pretty heavily you went with Luis, which makes total sense he was completely lights out we look at here, uh, just the stats over that game one start in Toronto. What are your thoughts on on that performance and what he was really able to bring?
0: Well, during the game, I heard a lot of chatter about how we might have given up too much for him or how that was actually a statement when we signed his extension. Um, and honestly, I don't think that there's any reason for that to even be noise in the background. Like he did great he started us off perfectly like we couldn't have asked for anything better as far as the pitching goes and I think that he was a big portion of that first win and it was a collected effort in that game two in game two against the Blue Jays but I mean a good win good resiliency but that's not what you how you want to win I mean I would prefer a lot more dominant of a win rather than giving up those nine scoring runs and then you know, just slightly edging them through edging them in that game. But um, I just think that Luis Casillo had a great game and it was a great start of a momentum for going into the postseason. So La Piedra did fantastic and I couldn't think of anybody better. So, yeah,
1: yeah I mean, it makes sense. And to go, to go on that thing about the giving up too much, I know that that was talked about once the trade went through with the deadline. But at the end of the day, you know, Noelvi Marte would have been great. A lot of those prospects you gave up would have been great down the years. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: at some point you go from a rebuild and then you finally start to hit contention. The Mariners are yeah. at that impasse and they've gone past that impasse and, you know, showing that, Hey, we can give up a few of these younger guys to get a proven guy, a guy that we can lean on in the playoffs, lean on the big moments. That's it. So, Was it a good amount? Yeah, it was. But you got a good guy. You locked him up on an extension now. So like, it's my worry about him going somewhere, you know. But yeah, I think you know his extension and acquiring him, acquiring him, let alone signing him to an extension, goes for more than just helping your team right now. I think that signing him to that extension and really committing to him, making that move for him, shows free agents in the years to come. Hey, Seattle isn't not using a word isn't messing around they Mm want to win games they want to be competitive this is a place i want to be because i know they're going to bring it they're not here to just mess around and just put out a family-friendly product sell some tickets sell some merchandise sell some mariner mooses they're they're here to win games so i think that's you know there there's more layers there's (laughs) layout there's levels to this um just the whole Castillo thing. So that's why I'm like, you know, anyone says that you gave up too much, just, just get get rid of them. Get out, out of here. Um, <laughs> but, yes, I think Castillo would say, you know, I could have gone either way with Raleigh or Castillo. So uh, we look over here to some unfortunate stuff with injury news. On the 5th of October, it was announced by service that uh, Jesse Winker was placed on the 10-day aisle with a cervical disc bulge in his neck. Uh, it's been an issue that he'd been dealing with um ultimately decided that he needs that looked at uh as a corresponding move outfielder taylor trammell was recalled from the uh triple a tacoma roster and so with that winker injury news we now move over to our postseason roster because with winker being out on the 10 day obviously he couldn't make it on the roster uh against toronto so we look at the postseason roster which was announced on the 7th we look at pitchers and catchers here uh matt boyd matt brash matt festa diego castillo luis castillo logan gilbert george kirby andres munoz Penn murphy robbie ray paul Sewald, and eric swanson all make the list there 12 pitchers so seattle really loves having their bullpen and obviously you know we talked about how good the pitching's been i'm sure you want a lot of these guys on your roster Um, and then the catcher side of it, interesting to see that Seattle went with the three catchers to me with Casale, Cal Raleigh, Luis Torrens. But I feel like with the, the way that Torrens has been playing recently and how, uh, service has talked about Luis, it just made sense that they have those three catchers, uh, on the roster and available. We look over to infielders and outfielders here. Um, Hmm. Oh, wrong one. Uh, On the infield side of it, J.P. Crawford, Ty France, Carlos Santana, Eugenio Suarez, and Abraham Toro. So you see Santana, a guy that can play first and be a D.H. Toro kind of can play all over the infield. Uh, That sort of versatility that the Mariners always look for. And then the outfield, the outfield is really interesting to me uh, with Mitch Hanniger, Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, and Taylor Trammell. Uh, obviously, Winker's not on that because of the injury, but you see Jared's probably going to get a lot of that play in left field. We might see Taylor slip in there every other so, um, but it looks like it's mostly going to be Kalnick and left there with in, in a big moment, in a big moment that the Mariners are going to really need him to step up in. So then... We look over here to the infielder slash outfielder list. Dylan Moore and Adam Frazier are in that sort of segment. So don't worry, we're not leaving out Adam Frazier. Uh, Dylan Moore, another guy that can play in left field when needed, can also play on the infield at second, at short, um, when the Niners need to give that or depending on what happens. And then the taxi squad, depending on injuries, uh, if a roster move needs to be made. Brennan Bernardino, a left-handed pitcher from Tacoma, a guy that – was involved in some of the doubleheaders this year for the Mariners. Chris Flexen, uh, a guy that was on the sort of reliever list, but is uh, not viewed as high as a priority as some of the other relievers. Marco Gonzalez pitched the final game of the regular season, so he probably wasn't going to pitch in the series anyway against Toronto. And then Cade Marlowe, Cade Marlowe is a guy that had recently been called up with the Rainiers as the end of the season approached in AAA, and they liked his versatility. They wanted an outfield bat. And they went with Marlowe, which is really interesting to me. I don't know how much playing time he'll see, but I'm really intrigued to see if uh, he's able to get into any of these games. So looking at all of this, this is a big series against Houston. And just like with the Toronto series, we could see it all play out by the time we see you all next Monday. So it's going to be a big one. It's going to be a big one. You know, again, I... You know, anything outside of the wildcard series to me is is you're playing with house money because I didn't expect the Mariners to make it too far in this year's playoffs. It was just kind of the goal this year was to end the drought Mm -hmm. and then in the offseason load up and then be really serious, deep playoff run contenders. With the way you're playing, with the resilience that you've shown, how tight knit of a group this has been, it really seems like you can do some damage here. But an indicator of that will be these two road games in houston so let's look at the upcoming here for seattle games one and two are in houston october 11th at houston is a twelve thirty-seven p.m pacific time start time that is on tbs uh if you don't want to have to deal with all these services and where to watch i myself and a few of my friends will be down at hatback bar and grill and steelhead's alley right across from t-mobile park there will be no watch parties for games one and two unfortunately they're smack in the middle of the day on a weekday which makes it kind of tough yeah. and really kind of dumb to me that mlb would have games like this in the middle of the day i don't understand it but anyway uh game two is october 13th at houston with a 12 37 p.m pacific time start similar to game one and then game three uh is october 15th versus houston here in seattle at t-mobile park we don't know the time quite yet expect it to be a 1 p.m start Um, tickets like bell and I have talked about are already sold out. Um, I just, you know, just ridiculous. So those three games are guaranteed. Uh, if for some reason, some team doesn't sweep those first three games, game four is October 16th in Seattle, uh, with time to be determined. And then a game five, if necessary would be back in Houston, I believe on the 18th. I'm not sure a hundred percent sure on that, but, you know, you'd like Seattle to be able to take care of things, uh, and hopefully, somehow clinch an ALCS berth at home. So, I again, I like I talked about it. If you're able to take one of those two games in Houston, I think you're good to go. So that's just my personal opinion, but it's it's a big deal. This is huge. I you know I don't know how ready I am for this. So I yeah. You
0: know. As the season was ending and as we were in the press box, I did notice that some people were posting photos of um, they would buy seats in commemoration for family members that weren't there to see the drought end or weren't there to see the mayors in the playoffs. So, I mean, that just itself gives you a picture as to how long people have been waiting for this. And it's just like you said, it's just something special. So, we'll see how far we can make it. <sighs>
1: So this is normally where I would send it over to you for storm, but it's been relatively quiet on the storm front, unfortunately. So again, as we sort of wait for the uh, off season to really kick off a big off season for the storm with free agents, such as Brianna Stewart, and Jewel Lloyd, well, not Jewel Lloyd, but Brianna Stewart, yeah. and most of your oh. roster, uh, we're kind of just treading water until we can uh, figure things out. We had our, uh, Content with the FIBA World Cup taking place. Got to see Lauren Jackson continue to be Lauren Jackson. Um, but I guess we go over to close out with our Sounders here in their regular season. So we look over here to October 9th versus the San Jose Earthquakes. The final game of the season for the Sounders on decision day. One of the few playoff games well, for few games in Sounders history in the MLS where there are no playoff implications. Where you're not playing for seeding. You're not playing to go to the playoffs. So, uh, kind of disappointing that this was a draw two to two. You'd a little like to see Seattle um, go out with a bang and just kind of send people home happy on fan appreciation day. Was I mean, a draw is fine, but just felt like the same sort of mistakes came up to kick Seattle in the behind. Uh, play the game center attacking mid Nico Ladero. Two goals, four total shots, one chance created, and an eight point seven match rating. This one was tough. Uh, this was one of the things where Seattle saw its defensive issues kind of reared its ugly head. Nico Ladero had a goal in the very first minute of the match to put Seattle ahead. <coughs> in the fourth minute though, San Jose came back and answered on some pretty sloppy play. And it was like, really, really, you know, where, where you put yourself in this position where you're up ahead and then you just give it right back, you know, and then kind of in the 49th minute, Nico Ladero had an absolutely brilliant goal off of a uh, headed away corner. Uh, just a brilliant, you know, absolute volley. And then in the waning minutes, about the 73rd minute, uh, a 18-year-old, 18-year-old Cade Cowell uh, was able to get some space to fire a shot to beat Stephen Cleveland. And the match was equalized. It was kind of like, oh, it was just... It was weird there the atmosphere in the arena was really interesting at Lumen Field just because it was really cool to see a lot of the players have their kids on the field, you know, a lot of fan interaction as the season had winded down. But, you know, usually this is where Seattle's building up to go on a playoff front. You mm-hmm. know, they're building up to deal with seating and they're going home now. You know, it was weird for me leaving that press box because it was like, geez, you know, this is kind of it. And I felt disappointed because of the draw, but it's like, you know, this season has just been, Brian Schmetzer, head coach Brian Schmetzer said it best where this emulated the season. You know, you had times where you had ups and then he went back down, you know, obviously CCL is the big accomplishment and the Sounders will play in the club world cup uh, this upcoming year, but it was like, you could have accomplished so much more. Uh, There were some interesting quotes from Schmetzer. Like he said, he felt like he was too much of a player's coach this past year uh, where it felt like maybe some of the 11 guys who started the most just kind of had their spots uh, guaranteed, you know, given to them. There yeah. was no sort of, I need to push myself. It was more, I've got mm-hmm. my, spot, my my spot. So that'll be really interesting to see this next year. I know Schmitz also talked about Schmitz also talked about getting some more of the younger guys played, getting them involved, uh, getting their more consistent playing time to show off what they can do. So it was, it was, yeah, it was really interesting because it felt like, Hey, it's the end of the season. You know, we knew we weren't going to be going to the playoffs anyway, but also the fact that it's like things could have been better and just sort of just feeling unsatisfied um, with the way that things went, you know? So I don't know. I don't know if you can surmise that from my reaction, but yeah, it was just kind of weird how that all went out and it's a big off season, you know, uh, just to sort of be able to rebuild this, See who you can bring in, who needs to go, who's staying, you know, uh, what sort of different, maybe personnel changes, you know, stuff like that. See what can be done to really turn things around and send you back to the playoffs next year and hopefully go on a deep run that a lot of Sounders fans are accustomed to. So we look towards the uh, injury news portion of things. This was kind of shocking to me after the game. uh, Brian Schmitz revealed that the reason that Stefan Fry did not start this match was because he played through a torn ligament for the past three matches. uh, And he was sat in the final game of the season just to give him some rest after playing through that in those last three matches, which is kind of, ridiculous. I would have had no idea. It's always kind of interesting when coaches reveal this, like these pretty important, pretty scary injuries after someone's been playing through them. You know, it's like, geez, man, you know, none of us had any idea, you know, maybe there was some criticism thrown at people's way because of the way they were playing, yeah. they were trying to play through injury. So, uh, just kind of stunned, you know, I don't mind seeing Stefan Cleveland get some starts cause he's a younger goalkeeper and he's probably who you'd like to keep in, in net, once Fry decides to hang him up. But uh I was like, whoa, you know. So Seattle finishes with a 12 win, 17 loss, five draw record, 11th in the Western Conference at 41 points. Next week, uh on the what, the 17th of October, we will have our season in review for you. Yeah, just kind of uh interesting to see this, because you know, normally we would have uh playoff matches to cover, but Alas, that is not uh, not the case here for our Sounders. So uh, to go from one team that's ending its season and has ended its season to a team that's just about ready to kick off its regular season, we will send it over to Bell uh, for our Kraken, who finished out their 2022 preseason on the road up in Canada.
0: And they certainly didn't finish it like they started. <laughs> um, on October 3rd, they played the Calgary Flames, and that was a loss, 4-1. to um, Player of the game was forward Alex Wendberg with one assist, one point, and one block. On October seventh, at the Edmonton Oilers, another loss, five to three. Player of the game was centerman Mattie Beniers with one goal, one point, two shots, three hits, and two blocks. So, still some positive, still some good performances, but um, we couldn't go undefeated in the pre er, in the yeah preseason. So, um, of course, nothing to shame our head down on. So, we move on to some team news here on October fourth. Defenseman Riker Evans has been reassigned to the AHL Coachella Valley Firebirds. On the ninth, Joey Decord and Alexander True have been also reassigned to the Coachella Valley Firebirds, and John Hayden and Michael Kempney have been placed on waivers with the intent to sign them to Coachella Valley. And our Kraken roster is nearly complete. So I'm sure we have a list of that that Chuck will throw on the screen here. Um, I'll go over just a few of these, uh Centerman, Maddie Veneers, Morgan Geeky, Ryan Donato, Yanni Gord. Um, I'm not trying to snub anyone on the list, but I'm just gonna go over some of the ones on the top here Wieners, Olive Oliver Yorgstan, Andre Burakov, Burakovsky, Jonas Junas Donskoy, Jordan Eberly, Jared McCann, Daniel Sprong. Um, and I'm gonna say that last one just because if I don't, it's gonna be weird. <laughs> Brandon Tannib. Defenseman Will Morgan, Vince Dunn, Kell Fleury, Adam Larson, goalkeepers Martin Jones, Philip Grubauer. Anybody there that you are surprised about, or you're just elated to be on the list?
1: Um, not not necessarily. I this is uh, on the like Kraken PR website, and it's not like they haven't come out and made it official. But I mean, with yeah. how close we are to the. Uh, regular season starting. I mean, this is probably what you're looking at. Jonas Donskoy will start on IR. Uh, Daniel Sprong makes the roster after being a professional tryout. You know, we talked about him signing the contract last week while we were recording. Um, no, not, not not anybody. I'm like surprised about. I mean, Shane Wright's interesting. He's your number four overall pick from this past draft that a lot of people didn't expect him to slip that far. Um, yeah. The plan per Ron Francis, your general manager, is that he's expected to be with Seattle our year, so that'll be interesting to get him play right out of the gate, not having him go to any sort of developmental league. Manny Beniers. I mean, you talked about sort of some of the brighter things with the preseason losses. He seems like. Primed to be Rookie of the Year in the NHL. Uh, Morgan Geeky is a guy who. There are a couple of guys in the uh, sort of offensive side of the things where who they're playing for their own jobs. Uh, Daniel Sprong, mm-hmm. Morgan Geeky, Carson Coolman will all have to battle to make sure they get a consistent ice time. Uh, but. Just looking at the offense, you're so much better than you were last year at this point in time. So much more talent. Getting Bjorkstrand, getting Burakovsky huge. Jared McCann coming off of a great year. Brandon Tenev hopefully consistently healthy for the rest of the year after missing a lot of games last year. Uh, Beneers with the club for the entirety of the season as opposed to, uh, I believe, 10 games last year. Yeah. Um. Just really interesting to get guys – you're a lot better offensively on the defensive defenseman side of things, uh, getting Schultz in there will be interesting, uh, hopefully getting more consistent time for Susie for Borgen. I know with, uh, you talked about Kempney getting signed, sent down to, excuse me, Coachella Valley. It, made, it was official that Kempney and Hayden are sent down to AHL. Um, so Schultz will be a guy that should be able to help the power play a bit this year. Seattle really struggled on the power play this past season and hadn't necessarily put things together in the preseason yet. I, I'm just hoping that as the regular season comes to it, they can finally like put the final piece of the puzzle in there and everything seems much more clear. Martin Jones and Grubauer. Grubauer expected. Uh, Martin Jones was a guy mm-hmm. that he brought in with Chris Drieger injured. It'll be really interesting to see what Seattle does with jones once trigger returns uh from injury later in this year so that's my only comments there but uh my thoughts on it this roster looks a lot better than it did last year uh the nhl version of like madden and fifa right the nhl 23 Mm -hmm. uh, simulated season had seattle finishing as a playoff team uh and losing to edmonton in, in the first round so uh playoffs in year 2 wouldn't be bad at all but i'm not setting I'm not going to set the bar that high i just expect you to win more games than you did last year by a decent margin and i w- i wouldn't expect you to be the basement team in your division so uh obviously some things will have to come together we talk about um chemistry right so i'm sure a lot of these first few games they'll have to get things together play together as units see their lines play consistently uh the defensemen play well in front of your goalkeepers but Overall, I'm just happy with the fact that your roster looks better than it did last year. That's that's where I'm Definitely.
0: at. Yeah. So we'll move on to some league news here. On October 4th, the NHL will be using digital advertising, it was reported. The league will use digitally enhanced dashboards for the 22-23 season as part of its latest effort to boost revenue. ad revenue. Um, and then coming back to our Kraken, they set uh, a preseason record of 4-2 and two. And they start the regular season at the Anaheim Ducks at 7 p.m. on October 12th and October 13th at Los Angeles Kings. That's also a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. And then on October 5th, they get to bring it home for the season um, against the Las Vegas Golden Knights at 7 p.m. puck drop.
1: Yeah, So you're looking at Vegas there as your home opener. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting you play your division here to open up the year, but... I don't know about you, Bell, but I'm excited to have hockey back. I don't know how much of that you were watching last season uh, as the year rolled on. Obviously, I know it was tough with not having the best results, but uh, it should be an exciting year. It should be fun, like I said, with all these guys. I'm still learning, so, you know, you know, we, we had some tough names in hockey uh, that we have oh, to yeah. deal with, but it's, 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 uh, it's a lot of fun, and it'll be fun to continue to roll through this. Um, oops. And just have, hopefully, a better year than we did last year. So uh, looking now to our rain, it's not much going on just because, mm-hmm. I mean, this is kind of a quiet period anyway. Nobody played around the league. The uh, first round playoff matchups don't start until this upcoming weekend. On Sunday is when Houston and Kansas City play to find out when our rain, who our rain will be facing in the semifinal at Lumen Field on October 23rd, which the entirety of the lower bowl at Lumen Field has been opened up. Tickets are going pretty quick. Uh I know that we talked about it a few weeks ago with ticket giveaways and that was kind of tough. You know, Giveaways, I'm not the best at doing giveaways. So we'll we'll figure that out and be better about that. And I'll give you a more concrete uh, talk on getting those tickets set up maybe after we find out who the rain are playing. But speaking of tickets and attendance, the only thing I have for you to look at um, is the rain attendance numbers um, from this past year. Having gone from Lewinfield Field over to Shaney here uh, year one and really trying to build that knowledge of the rain here in the city of Seattle. So uh, in terms of attendance, the average attendance this past season was 6,185, which saw increases as the year went on. The rain set more standalone records, um, seemed like every last few game as the rest of the regular season finished out. It's an increase of 13.884% from last year at Cheney. Uh, last year's attendance at Cheney was 5,433 on average. So just interesting to see how that continued to grow. Um Seattle was fifth. Well, the rain were fifth in the league. Uh Angel City topped out at 9,105 on average, which is good to see. You know, I know you'd like to hold some of these records, but it was good to see that um to see this grow two of the top three teams and attend worthy the two expansion teams uh in angel city and san diego so that's good to see i really enjoyed seeing that um some, something on a little bit of a lower note we looked to league news here on the third an investigation by u.s soccer found systemic abuse and misconduct in women's soccer uh which made some ripples there was the yates report um on October 5th, Portland Soccer, if you don't know Portland, uh, the Timbers and the Thorns are owned by the same sort of management, fired two executives. Portland parted ways with general manager Gavin Wilkinson, who's been, uh, I'll, I'll refrain language here and we'll just say he's a really bad guy, um, has been involved in a lot of the scandals uh, surrounding the Thorns uh, and president of business, Mike Golub. After both were named in the report on abuse in women's soccer, more executives were added across the league. Chicago Red Stars removed owner Arnhem Whistler for covering up uh, former coach Rory Dames's abuse. And, you know, as much as I tell you and uh, you, Bell, and, you know, the people watching that I really love covering the rain and enjoy watching women's soccer, it's really just really disheartening to see the way that these women are treated. Uh, just trying to play on the pro level you know the struggles that they deal with already let alone having to worry about just being able to pro not having to deal with the dumb comments on the social media or not getting properly put on television like last year the championship game was almost at 9 in the morning I you know so stuff like that you know just to deal with all of that is really tough and then to look at it and see that you know Uh, not only is this happening at the pro level, but also I talked about it being systemic happening, you know, from youth. So, uh, just really tough to sort of look at. And obviously our solidarity is with those players, staff members who have had to deal with all of this, you know, because our, our NWSL players are so strong to be able to deal with all they do as pro athletes, but also having to deal with this crap in the workplace, you know? So, um, I think, simply put, keeping anybody who enabled this uh, sort of behavior, this abuse, these sort of actions, keeping them in their positions is wrong, and they need to be outed immediately. Just cannot have any sort of leftover uh, hangover. I uh, uh, leftover, I guess I'll stick with that from any of these uh, scandals and abuse situations they can't happen i mean they just need to be removed outright and they can never see the light of day again so mm-hmm. um i don't know if you've got anything else to put on that but that's you know just without really going into the reports you know fully fully it's just you know portland's had scandals you know and it's not just portland i know north carolina has had that chicago uh not, nothing too much of a story wise but when the last rain coach before Laura Harvey left uh, the report, there were some reports that it was because of um, some stuff he shouldn't have been doing as a, as a human being, let alone a coach. So um, I'm sure we'll hear about that. Unfortunately, there's uh, E E E 60 feature that came out about this. So I'll be planning on watching that to get the full report on that. But yeah, I, you know, I don't know if there's anything you want to put into to words on it.
0: Yeah, just that the hopefully the other people that have experienced anything feel the support now and feel the willingness to um, speak up on it because, like you said, it has no place in the league. So, I completely agree that you need to get rid of the pe- the people that in the league that are continuing that behavior.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's just uh, trying to make sure that this doesn't happen again, and that starts with getting rid of any of the leftovers. Uh, from previous. So, uh, try to move on and wrap up with the sort of uh, full attendance list that we talked about. So the top five angel city at 19,105. And again, props to California for really showing out for their women's soccer teams. I wasn't sure how it would go with these expansion teams, but you know, and especially since they had to take some of our players in the expansion draft, angry fist weight. Um, it's it's great to see that sort of environment. I know the players raved about it, and I just hope that it can continue to help this sport of women's soccer grow. Portland, uh, as much as there are rivals, they do a pretty solid job of supporting their team at fifteen thousand five hundred forty-three annually. Uh, San Diego, eight thousand seven hundred twenty-nine. Kansas City, seven thousand six hundred fifty-seven. Uh, Kansas City is actually going to complete construction, I believe, next year on the first ever stadium built specifically and solely for a women's sports team. So that's I was in Kansas City this past year. I not to root on Kansas City, but it was pretty boring when the Royals and the Chiefs were <laughs> not playing. I'm sorry, it wasn't I don't want to start more fights and talk about the barbecue. Um but I wanted to visit the facility, but it was still being built. So uh, good for KC. But Anyway, digress. Before I get to talking about the Kansas City Barbecue, uh, the Rain's did an 11-win, 4-loss, 7-draw record, standing at first in the NWSL, your NWSL Shield winners. And I'll say this. If you're bummed about the Sounders missing the playoffs, you're not a baseball person, so you don't care about the Mariners making the playoffs. you got to get out to the goddamn Rain game on the 23rd at Lumen Field. The tickets aren't out of the behind crazy. Uh, they're relatively cheap. You can go and support a club that's been winning and winning for a good amount of time. If you want to support women, let alone women in sports, you do it here and you put your money where your Mm -hmm. mouth is Mm -hmm. Uh, at Lumen Field, October 23rd. As you can see on the screen with my nice cartoony slash between the two teams, it's either the Houston Dash or the Kansas City Current uh, at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time on October 23rd. So if you don't care who they're playing, regardless, October 23rd, Ticketmaster it right now. Tickets are still going. The whole lower bowl is opened. Uh, get on that. Get on top of it. So, excuse me. Ooh, uh, we will wrap up here because there's no Sea Wolves. They, after a few weeks ago, they had some moves. They are quiet. The Dragons remain quiet too until I believe there there might be a draft coming up in November. I haven't gotten an official word on that. Ooh. That'll be exciting. We'll look towards that then. But we move over uh, to Seattle Stars of the Week. And they both remain in the sort of Mariners realm. I mean, I went with Cal Raleigh and you went with the Mariners as a whole here. So yeah. I, I don't blame you. I mean, there wasn't really a lot going on like win-wise outside of the Mariners. What Because the Seahawks lost, the Sounders drew, the Kraken, Kraken lost, lost their two preseason games. So, I mean, again, the Mariners continue their streak. Um Of just kind of being on top of the city here so at least for you bell uh you know with you know your first year of covering baseball and i know baseball is kind of tough because you know i know your basketball mostly we see sue back there on the wall the supersonic (laughs) stickers put picking out point uh (laughs) how to get the right word they're poking out there um and it's being a totally different sport what is all of this you know the energy in the building as the season's gone on the the, the champagne showers and smelling like champagne? I know it's not a great smell it doesn't
0: it's all <laughs> it's a daryl <terrible> smell <laughs>
1: um and just watching this team and how much fun they're having. I know I've got the the wind dance playoffs hoodie on that's new um just all of this, just how much fun it is with Julio and Gino and Scott letting it out a little bit as the season's gone on. How how has this experience been like for you to sort of watch all this? You know, we're approaching about one year here. Circling Salesforce has been on a Converge. And we'll, we'll look back on it when it's been your one year here, too. But what has it been like for the MLB season for you? And, you know, maybe you're the good luck charm because you were here when the drought ended. Oh, so uh, what has it been like to watch this as, as the ride continues uh, now to the ALDS in Houston?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't have as much of the um, hurt from all the years of the drought because I didn't start watching baseball until recently. So I know that sounds lame. I know it might be lame that I decided to call myself a Mariners fan at the start of the season when Julio was coming into his rookie year and they just uh, assigned and extended Luis Castillo. And we have all these other players that are doing great at producing, but um, it really felt like throwing myself into the environment and into the element helped me understand it in this much faster rate and just accelerated me becoming a fan. So I don't know if I'm biased again, because we obviously cover the Mariners and it's just, it's been a great environment. It's been a great year and I can't wait to see how far they go.
1: Yeah. Again, I don't know if you brought some good luck or what, uh but it's it's been an incredible ride and just to know i mean you picked a good time to to sign up and become a fan just because of the uh i mean again you're built for years to come let alone this year you're not you know dealing with a bunch of aging veterans that Coming off contract, he got Julio. They signed Luis, you know, Robbie Ray's in for the long haul, you know. Mm -hmm. And like I said in the Mariners segment, this is a team that seems to have made that statement that they want to win and they want to continue to win. And, you know, whenever this ride ends, which I would be happy if it didn't end for a while, um, you get to go in the offseason and hopefully add some more offensive firepower so that you've got more consistent hitters in the lineup. maybe you do get another arm for the rotation maybe you somehow manage to get Aaron Judge here yeah. i i think that all things point up for the mariners uh as a whole so it's been a long time before i could say that so you know we'll uh we'll wrap up here over the next week what we got the seahawks are back home versus the cardinals here on uh, sunday i believe that's the 16th yes the mariners yeah. play Games one and two on Tuesday and Thursday in Houston. I believe the Big O is going to be there, so maybe we'll see some things from the Big O, get him to give us some stuff we can uh, <laughs> take a look at when we see you next Monday. Uh, the Storm, I we might get some stuff. It's just relatively radio static from them. The Sounders will have a season in review. The Kraken will have begun their 2022 regular season, year two of pro hockey NHL level in Seattle. Uh, the rain will figure out who they're going to play um after this next weekend we might get some seawolf stuff again also like the storm radio sass island from them and i think i'll work to find out some more about that xfl draft stuff so uh a big thank you for curtis has seen me for a few hours today i've been here since day with trey so thank you to curtis uh behind all, all the lights and the cameras and stuff bell for speaking with us here virtually and until we see you on the seventeenth, the months are going. I'm getting too old too fast. Let's put an end to that. It
0: is the seventeenth. Wait, the no, yeah, is it? Are we already on the next 10th? week? Yeah, oh, next week goodness. we'll
1: be halfway through the year. I don't know if we'll do Halloween decor. Ah, no, I don't decorate. Uh, until we see you next week, do whatever you can to make today a great day. And um, go Mariners.